Welcome to the Center for Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast, Soft Skills Virtual Leaders Need Most. I'm Kathy Ritchie, Associate Professor at North Central University, and today we're joined by Kim Shepard, former CEO of Decision Toolbox and board member of Working Wardrobes and Habitat for Humanity of Orange County, California. Kim is the author of three books, Remote Work, Redesign Processes, Practices, and Strategies to Engage a Remote Workforce. The second book is Get Scrappy, Business Insights to Make Your Company More Agile. And the third book Kim has authored is The Bite Me School of Management, Taking a Bite Out of Conventional Thinking. So it is my pleasure to introduce Kim Shepard, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. So Kim, as a way of getting started, how would you define soft skills and why are they important? So soft skills to me, and, I, and I've been talking to this for forever, is the real stuff that we really measure things to. Um, especially if you, if you look at just a hiring of an employee, we vet to the hard skills. Do you have this degree? Do you have you know six years experience? Have you worked in this environment? But we hire, we reward, we recruit, and we retain to the soft skills. And the soft skills are who we are, our communication skills, our work ethic, um, our compatibility, our morals, uh, uh, you know, the, our ethics in general. And those are the things that really make us us. Thank you. So how would you see soft skills, Kim? that are exhibited differently when we think about the virtual workplace. Yeah, so it's uh, they're kind of harder to see, aren't they? Um, the, you know, when you're in a sticks and bricks environment, you've got the water cooler and you've got the snappy dresser, you know, with the new outfit and you've got the the people that that are, you know, in probably in sales and the upbeat personalities and you've you've got the the uh, accountant types, and you ki- can kind of see where people fall, but in a remote environment, it's a lot harder. And um, based on our communication skills, it can be more difficult to discern the the personality. And we as people, we we crave knowledge of the person that we're uh, interacting with, their um, personality. And so in, a, in an effective remote environment, you create hubs and places for personality to shine. For example, in my org- in my company, we would have um, a virtual water cooler, as I just mentioned. We'd have um, every Thursday night, people could get together and watch a, mo- a collective movie. Now they were all in different time zones, so they would have to sync up. And then they could could you know, they would say in that in that chat room, you know, I'm having a margarita with some guacamole, or I'm good. and and personalities could could emerge from that. And we would also do funny things like ugly sweater contests and, you know, dress your, your pet up for the holidays kind of thing. And personalities could come out that way. And it was really important to, if, if you're focused on building a healthy um, culture for your company in a remote environment, you've got to find a way to display those soft skills in that personality. They're very interesting concepts and thoughts that you've gone through, Kim. Um, how would you think that the pandemic has kind of broadened that concept of helping that culture come through remotely and and to emphasize on those soft skills so the leaders are 
somewhat focused on what what the change has been through the pandemic. Yeah. So COVID kind of put culture in the blender and shook it up. And um, because, you know, literally entire organizations were sending their people home on Monday and expecting functionality on Tuesday. The employees didn't know what they were doing. Management didn't know what they were doing. You know, the, the, the C-suite didn't know what was going on. You still had this rote behavior from, from uh, management and leadership saying, if I can't see you, I can't manage you. You know, so you really had a helter-skelter going on. And, um, and the good organizations realized that and deployed um, leadership troops immediately to say, let's create platforms for communication. Let's, but when you go remote overnight, uh, you don't even know what to do with your meetings. Everybody knows of Zoom, but does every meeting have to be on Zoom? Um, should, could, could an hour-long meeting really take place in 20 minutes? How do I measure my their uh, key performance indicators? How do I set those? How do I measure? Um, so everything, when you literally do it overnight, um, goes out the window. And then when the dust settles and you figure out working norms and, you know, does Betty have a, a home office space that she can work from? And, and, you know, getting that nailed down, then you can start to deploy um, cornerstones to get your culture in place. And you have to re-ask yourself in a remote environment, what do we want our culture to be? When I first took my company virtual, which was in 2002, so I had no models to follow and I had to make it up. You know, I went virtual on the back of 9-11. My industry stopped. And at the time, I only had 37 employees, but my number one goal was to keep all 37 of those employees. And in order to do it financially, I had to get rid of everything else. So that was the impetus on me going remote. And then I had to re-ask, I had to ask myself, given what just happened now, what do I want my culture to be? And one of the things that I hung on to is be, I, I wanted a culture of individual bequest for individual excellence. So I had to trust that I had the right people at the helm and that their quest for continually being better as a remote employee, better as an employee, better at work-life balance, better at being a human being, you know, all those things I thought would keep my, my team aligned and that became our culture. But a lot of, real quick, the, a lot of organizations are going to make the key mistake of thinking that in a remote environment, the old culture just nat naturally transfers over to, you know, continues on in a remote environment. More often than not, it will not. So Kim, you just raised a, a really important point. I think resilience is, is a really key factor, but you also mentioned better at a lot of different categories of things. How, if you were, a, let's just say a leader, Hiring, how would you be able to kind of look for some of those characteristics and attributes in the hiring process? Okay, I love that question. So this is where I get a little goofy, Kathy. Um, I look for what I call Jedis. If anybody's ever heard of Star Wars, they know that a Jedi is kind of those cool people you want on your team. They're leaders. They make things happen. They've got a little MacGyver in them, you know, and the, the Jedis. To me, we, we're used to saying we want to hire A players. And that phrase has always bugged me a little bit because what is that? An A player 
probably means that you were either really good at your last job or you're really good at your current job. But that tells me nothing about going to soft skills, how you would um, uh, react in a, in a change of environment, in a catastrophe, in a pandemic. You know, can you, can you get yourself out of bed, get yourself suited up and get into the game? Jedis can. So in the very first company about 150 years ago, when I was um, assembling my first recruitment team, I didn't want my recruiters to follow any of the recruiting norms set to date. So I wanted to teach them the type of recruiting I wanted them to do, and they didn't have to have any recruiting experience. And in fact, I, w I didn't hire anyone with recruiting experience. And what I did is I went looking for Jedis. Jedis are those people you're sitting in a restaurant and there's five waiters or waitresses and one of them is on it. They're just all over it. They are just a cut above. Jedi, you go to your pharmacy and there's five people behind the counter and one of them has just got it going on. Jedi, I was looking for those types of people. So one thing that I would encourage, and again, you vet to hard skills. So if you're in a leadership role and you're looking for a civil engineer, you know, it's, it's well-defined on the qualifications that person has to have. But in making the hire, look for the Jedi. Look for the... And now, how do you know that you've got a Jedi? Ask them. If I was to ask you, I'm looking for Jedis, do you know what they are? And they say yes. And I'll say, are you one? And if so, tell me why. A Jedi will have an answer. And a non-Jedi usually won't. So you use that as, as kind of a, a differentiating question during the interview process. Correct. So if you think about going forward and you've hired a Jedi and you just mentioned different platforms for communication, can you share with us um, some of the other forms of communication that you think accentuate soft skills in the remote workplace? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I'd kind of like to back up for a minute and, and touch on meetings because meetings are our core platform for communication within an organization on a remote platform. And um, a lot of leaders don't realize that the creation of the appropriate and the, and the proper meeting for what it is you're hoping to accomplish. There's a lot of different kinds of meetings. Do you mind if I walk through a couple of them? Okay, so you have your, um, I, I'll speak to some of the meetings that I had created. And, and again, a, a, an appropriate leader will create them, their own set of meetings. They can steal my concepts or they can create their own. But the, the trick is to, to wrap it around the outcome that you're looking for, whatever that outcome happens to be. So because we were instantly remote in a world where no one was remote back in 2002, I felt it necessary for my um, people to feel like they were part of a small family. So I created pod meetings. And that was, I would take three or four people in different, now at the time, I had people in 34 states and six countries. So we were across pretty much all the time zones. I would create pods of three or four people. They would get together for a half hour, first thing Monday morning, depending on if it was your morning or your afternoon based on time zone. And um, their job was to help kill each other's cockroaches. And what that means is we always have some kind of a problem that we can't seem to solve on our own. So we throw it to our collective pod group and say, have you ever had this cockroach, meaning a problem or an issue? 
how have you killed it or what what has worked and hasn't worked for you and they just kind of chew on on the thing they're bonding they're communicating they're forming they're deepening their bond and they're helping to solve problems so that's that's pod pod meeting and that was connectivity with an outcome of helping collective minds solve a problem that the individual can't solve on their own tiger team meeting that's where i would get usually once a quarter there would be a topic of some kind and i would get maybe five or six people usually we would do this in some kind of a, a an actual face to face meeting venue and a tiger meeting is a problem imagine there's a tiger in your bathroom and you need assistance figuring out how to get the tiger out and so it's bigger than a cockroach problem it's a it's a there's a tiger in your bathroom and so the format is is you free flow on ideas you capture all the ideas no idea is silly and then at the end you come up with the best ideas to get that tiger out of your room to to get to, to solve that tiger size problem in a I'll, I'll just touch on one more but then I'll rattle off some names of others another one that I particularly was fond of is I wanted to get my people thinking outside of their head that you know used to hear outside of the box but truly outside of your head i want you thinking about things that haven't happened yet because that exercises a, a different part of your brain so i would create every quarter a tsunami meeting and a tsunami meeting is imagine you can see off in the distance a tsunami is coming it hasn't hit you yet it may not hit you you don't know but you're going to plan how you would tackle that tsunami So some topics might be I get hit by a bus and I'm the CEO of the company. What do you do? Uh, another topic might be half of our clients go away overnight. What do we do? Um another might be twice as many we double our revenue in a in you know in a weekend. What do we do? And then we blueprint the answers to that and those answers go into a binder, our tsunami binder. And over the course of 18 years there were four or five times where a tsunami did hit and we had already blueprinted 80% of the solution we just went to the box and as the tsunami's coming we're putting you know a, a virtual life preservers on the business and on people because we had the solution sitting in a binder and then other meetings could be a cockroach I'm sorry um ostrich meeting where your head's buried in the sand you need help because you can't you you don't know what you don't know And there's all these kinds of meetings that I designed and I and I regularly used about 6 of them and it's all deploying soft skills and it's all meant to to um create a, a particular outcome and they can vary from you know bonding to solution driven to business operations it it doesn't matter what it is the thing is is you need to create your own wrapped around your own set of priorities so with those particular priorities I'm assuming that that's a moving target in a sense too when it comes to some of the the tsunami um building and and preparation. Did you ever have any negative blockages, obstacles and how did you get around that by using the and accentuating soft skills? Sure. Um early on um there were quite honestly maybe 3 or 5 months after we went virtual there there were a handful of people that just weren't cut out for virtual and um being a culture of you know my my culture and my company was um drink the Kool-Aid kumbaya we're big love fest you know sitting around a virtual campfire and loving on each other 
And so it made it, that culture makes it very difficult when you simply have the wrong people in the wrong setting. And in that particular case, it was these people were not cut out for remote work. And back then it wasn't pandemic driven, so they didn't have to stay in a remote environment. And I had to help them walk through their thought process that perhaps there's a, a better home for you. Um, also on, on soft skills, meaning Jedi skills, um, uh, when you create an environment of continual um, self-improvement and, and self-excellence, um, some people aren't excellent. Some people aren't Jedis. And so you have to have those hard conversations with them. And you certainly can't say, look, you're not a Jedi, so you're off the team. But you have to walk them through the logic that perhaps the environment I've created is not the right environment for you. That kind of ties to to the ability to not work remote, but it ties really more to, um, you know, maybe they're B players and there's nothing wrong with B players, but a B player sticks out like a sore thumb in an A environment. So when you think about an A environment, which you've worked in and, and built yourself for a long time and how so many leaders are just now adapting to this, you know, related to the pandemic, what would you see as some of the silver linings that have come out of this kind of breadth of new awareness? Well, I think there's a lot of great question, Kathy. I think there's a lot of um, self-awareness that has come out of the, the pandemic. Um, I mean, think about the biggest one uh, that that's kind of nearest and dearest to my heart. And that is for my entire work lifetime, which has been a very long time, Everybody I know, myself included, have been looking for work-life balance. Suddenly you get sent home, you know, unknowingly, and you're uh, putting away the dishwasher, you know, the dishes in the dishwasher during a phone call. You're running a, ro a load of laundry that's going while you're cleaning up your emails or you're doing your, your you know, your KPIs or your key performance indicators. Um, so suddenly there's a taste for work-life balance. And for some, not for all, but for many. And now if the uh, decision is made without great thought going into it by organizations when the pandemic starts to lift to randomly bring everyone back and think that it can miraculously be the way it was two years ago is not going to work in many circumstances because the we have changed. We, we have found work-life balance and we like it. Think Think if you want to stay home, you want to stay remote, your productivity is enhanced by 35%. You've got a true life balance thing going on and your employer says you need to come back to, to the office. And when you say why, they say because that's just a decision that we've made and they have to come back. Now they work an eight hour day. They get home, they get in their car, they commute home after commuting in the morning, eight hour day, commute home. And guess what's waiting for them? the laundry and the dishwasher. And they're going to be acutely aware of that and be very unhappy. And in the world of recruitment and retention of people, as far as talent acquisition goes, there's companies that are going to be a very, like if I was, was still in the game, I would be broadcasting that I have created this utopian remote environment where if you want to work remote, you can forever. And I'll wrap the tools around you to make you perform better than you would in a work environment. You're, I'm going to recruit you out of companies all day long. And so what am, who am I going to get? I'm going to get the Jedis. 
because Jedis can work from home. They've got the tools. Unless, of course, you know, I always say, if you're making wine, you need to be in the vineyard. And if you're making jets, you need to be in the hangar. But if you're not making, you know, if you're making internet, if you're making financial services, if you're making legal, if you're making all these other things, there's absolutely no reason to be in the office. Interesting. So obviously we have to find ways to fight that attrition that could certainly be rampant or widespread or more accentuated as we're kind of reading in, in, in general now. So what would your suggestion be for leaders to kind of reinvent themselves or reinvent their business model to preserve their culture, but also to accommodate to some of those soft skills and some of that new workplace environment that people have adjusted to right. for remote work. Right. Well, anyone who's listening to this podcast can ascertain that I'm a bit scrappy. And in fact, my second book was called Get Scrappy. Um, and the energy that I put into all of these crazy things that I've shared so far, my meeting styles and, and the observations and the, you know, the kumbaya and all that stuff. It, it, one thing that made my company extremely successful is that I and my leadership team realized that we were inventing back then what was an, an unheard of garden and that we had to really strategically decide what we're planting in that garden, how we're cultivating that garden. But the most important thing we need to remember is that garden needed tending to daily. You do not, to be effective when, when change is around you, not just a, a new remote environment, but the pandemic and all that, that that comes with that, you know, trailing with the economy and politics and all that stuff that comes along with the chaos that a pandemic can create. You've got to water that garden daily and you have to pull out some flowers that aren't doing well, put in other vegetation that, that perhaps is doing better. You really, and, and the person for me as the CEO I had to take on that responsibility because I had to show my leadership team how hard I was the attention that how hard I was working and the attention I was given giving to the continual cultivation of my culture. So what things would you say that you've encountered that you'd be willing to pass along and say, don't do this. It might not work. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, God, I've tried so many things that have failed, but thankfully I fail at them quickly. Um, <laughs> uh, I, 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 a couple of kind of broad brush things that, um, it, warnings that I would give is that communication is a two way street. Um, be aware. And, and what I mean by that is, um, you can do your annual reviews or your quarterly reviews or whatever it is you do. But to be really effective and to be a Jedi, you're going to ask them to review you as your employees to review you as well. Or always when you have a, a, a um, structured interaction with your employee or your team, always leave room and encourage them to ask questions of you. Communication must be a two-way street in, in a, an effective um, culture. Um, the other thing would be um, trust. Uh, you... It, you, you're the one that decides you're going to hire this person. And so often then leaders put them in the role and don't trust that they can, can do the job, which to me says you don't trust your decision, trust your decision. And you know, the, the saying of hire slow and fire fast is really true. 
hire slow and fire, uh, fire fast. The other thing real quick that I want to, and, and I'm, and I'm not avoiding the potholes that I've stepped into quite honestly, I, I don't retain them very often because <laughs> they're unpleasant and I probably should. Um, but I'm saying that I, in the very beginning, my, my business partner and I created when we were starting the company in the very beginning was design what you want or deal with what you get. And strange how we came up with that in the year 2000. And it is more true today when you're looking at this, the, the management of soft skills, which is a, a fairly new concept that soft skills are, are, once you get the hard skills out of the way, boom, soft skills are everything. And CEOs used to call them squishy and unpleasant and goofy. And, you know, they're, they're just squishy all around. Well, they're not. They are, they are the, the currency of, of the human beings. And um, so design what you want or deal with what you get. It really tracks to just about everything you'll do in the creation of your company and in changes that you'll face, whether you bring some people back on a hybrid model, just do not be in front of it, design it. Don't. And, it and it's kind of the same thing with culture. Um, speaking of squishy, I used to have a lot of um, fellow CEOs that I were, was in a, a round table with and they'd say, you know, culture is just kind of squishy. And I'd say, well, what is your culture? They're like, oh, I don't know. You'd have to ask human resources. And I would look at them and I'd say, let me tell you something. Every company has a culture. It's either been designed by you or for you. And you definitely want the former. Very interesting. So, Kim, if, if you had additional pieces of advice or wisdom to pass along as a way of kind of closing today, what would you suggest? You know, I would say stay very aware of, of kind of try to telegraph what's going on. Um, and, and if you're not regularly tearing your business apart and putting it back together again, you're not designing what you want. You are dealing with what you get. And what I mean by that is, is some of the, the teams that I mentioned, like the Tiger team and Tsunami Planning, those are really designed to, to look deep in and come up with solutions. Um, and, and so often we create a operating model and we don't re-evaluate it or revisit it for two or three years. I would revisit mine quarterly just to make sure that it's running as optimal as it could. Great suggestion. Thank you. So Kim, if we wanted to know more about where we could find your three books, could you tell us uh, the best place? Yes, Amazon. Okay. So all three of your books, um, Remote Work, Get Scrappy, and The Bite Me School of Management are available on Amazon? Correct. Thank you. That's great. So I want to thank you for being here and supporting us at the Center of Advancement of Virtual Organizations. And we really appreciate your insights. And we know that our listeners will benefit from this experience. So thank you for being here today, Kim. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.